Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Well, I'd like to get into the word this morning. Last week, Garrett brought a wonderful message last week looking at the Old Testament Passover time. And and he was showing us how the Passover that took place within Exodus and how it relates to Christ. As Garrett and I were talking about this kind of next few weeks sermon series and kind of like looking at Easter and getting ready for Easter, when it comes to the Passover, you guys may or may not know this, but you could spend weeks and even months looking at the Passover and looking at Christ. And Garrett, you did an excellent job giving us a lot of that history there, but there is so much within that that we could spend a ton of time looking at that. But thank you, Garrett, for making those connections to Christ and to the Passover. Well, this week, as you have figured out, it is Palm Sunday. And though it doesn't feel like a Palm Sunday, I was thinking about that one this morning. There's, If there's a palm tree up here, it's dead. You know, like it's, it's just not going to make it. But it is Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is a day of us celebrating Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. This is Jesus' final entry into Jerusalem. He is going there for one purpose and one person only, and one purpose only, to die. He knows it. He has been warning his followers that he's going to, to go there to die. And of course, it's very interesting as you read the Gospels, Jesus warns them time and time again, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be going there to die. And they all just seem to either ignore it or it just doesn't make sense to them. But this is the start of Holy Week. If you grew up in any sort of traditional um, traditional church, you probably have known about Holy Week and have looked at Holy Week, and you guys know that, that this week we kind of kicks off with Palm Sunday, and then we've got Good Friday service, and then next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday here. Well, I wanted us to take a look at the Gospel of John today on this account of Palm Sunday. My kind of thinking here is that um, we're going to look at John this year and next year, and then after that, every two, like every year or every two years, we're, we are going to look at a different account of the Gospels of this kind of last week of Jesus' life. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like for you to turn to John chapter 12, is where this account takes place today, and it's John 12, 12 this morning, and we're going to read a few verses this morning. So John 12, 12, if you guys would be willing to stand in honor of our Lord, let's stand and read this text this morning. John 12, 12 says this, and we're going to read to, to verse 19. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Verse 14, And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughters of Zion, behold, your King is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, when they when then they remembered that these things had been written about him about him and had been done to him the crowd verse 17 that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness verse 18 
The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard all he had heard he had done these signs. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Let us pray this morning. Father, we give you praise. Lord, as we look at this account of your son coming into Jerusalem. Father, speak to us this morning. Father, come and minister and encourage us. Father, we give you praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. So there's a lot happening in these verses that we are looking at here. Verse 12 starts off and says, The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Every year at Passover, you guys may or may not know this, but I enjoy giving a little bit of history here. Every year at Passover, the Jewish people would flock to Jerusalem. They would go there. This was one of, one of three of their major feasts, so they would all come to the city to celebrate Passover. So it was kind of like a pilgrim to the city. But this year, this year things were different. And this year, at this time, there was a different spirit in the air at this time. Because Jesus was coming into the city. Now, this wasn't anything abnormal. He had been there previously for, for, for Passover. This isn't like, this is Jesus' first time entering Jerusalem at this time of year. But this year, the people recognized something that was way different than in previous years. The people were so excited because they had heard all that Jesus had done. Now, we do need to like, kind of like realize Jesus is at the height of his popularity at this time. Jesus wasn't just like unknown, like, oh, we don't really know. Jesus had been performing miracles, had been walking, had been having disciples, and his ministry became very, very famous. He was very well known in the land. He wasn't just unknown. He, the people knew about Jesus. They had heard about the miracles. They had seen the signs. Many of them probably had family members that had been healed. So when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem at this time of the year, it's no wonder there was a crowd. There was no wonder why when it says they had heard that Jesus was coming and there was a crowd welcoming him. So I just kind of point that one out because we need to, to sometimes kind of see what was taking place. But it's also important for us to understand the day before. Because if you look at, at verse 12, it says, the next day. Well, what was happening the day before this? Because this is important to the story because it alludes to it within this. Well, if you look at John 12, 1, this is, what was, this is what was taking place. This is what was going on the day before. John 12, 1. It says this, Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. It's important for us to understand where Jesus was the day before this. He was over at Lazarus' house. Now, this was kind of a big deal. I don't know if you guys remember this account or this story, but Lazarus was who Jesus raised from the dead. 
Scholars estimate that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead weeks to months before Passover. So this was, this was a well-known story and account. And if you look at what had taken place within Lazarus's life, when Lazarus got raised from the dead, people had questions, which I think any one of us would as well. I don't know if you had a friend that might have passed away and he was dead for several days, and then all of a sudden you get a phone call saying that Joe is back from the dead. You would want to check this out. You would want to like look into this a little bit more. And that was what was taking place at Lazarus's house. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead weeks to maybe a few months before he was there visiting with him. But the people were showing up at Lazarus's house because they wanted to see what was going on. They wanted to know, hey, like, like say, we kind of want to like see Lazarus here. We want to like physically see him. Because we have heard about this, but now we want to be there. So this is where Jesus was taking place. And actually, John 12, 9 and 11 point out why the large crowd was there. In verse 9, it says, When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Verse 10, so the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. This is how famous Jesus was. He was, I mean, I can't even express that how popular and well-known he was. You know, it's kind of difficult for us in the modern age because we've got like social media and our entire world is kind of like connected. But in this day and age, for someone to rise to this type of level, the people were all talking and wanting to know. But it's interesting about Lazarus here because the people, they wanted to see what Lazarus had done. Now, if you look at verse 10, look at what the religious people do. This is John 11, verse 10. It says, The chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. So they had plans here to kill Jesus. Right? Like, the Passover's coming. Jesus is extremely popular. People are going after him. The entire world is turning to him. The religious people see all of this taking place, and they even throw Lazarus in with this. Because they know, like, if he can raise Lazarus from the dead. And it's interesting because they want to cancel Lazarus. This is what is like interesting here. They look at Lazarus as a major, major threat. So what do they want to do? They say, hey, we're going to get rid of Lazarus as well. It's funny when it comes to God's truth and God's reality, they can't actually fully cancel him. They can try, and they're going to go there. Imagine having this conversation with Lazarus. Really, just like, think about this. A few weeks earlier, Lazarus was dead in the grave for four days. Right? Four days. He comes back to life. And now you are threatening to kill him. How's that going to go over? Do you really think you have any power over Lazarus? I mean, I mean Lazarus, he's already been dead once. Not only that, he knows the one who's going to let him out of death. I mean, it's just, it's so crazy at what the religious people were thinking back then. 
But this is where it is happening. This is what is happening right before Jesus is entering Jerusalem. I wanted to just kind of give us a picture of the little bit of the background of all that was taking place so we can understand the height and how amazing and how just how much the crowd was just in love with Jesus. Because all of this is building. All of this is taking place to now. Look at verse 17. I wanted to kind of point this one out. In verse 17 in chapter 12, it points this out too. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. I just want to give you just this image of what is taking place. Jesus is entering Jerusalem. The people who are with him are the same people that had seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. And they are crying out. I want us to look at verse 13 real quick. And I want us to look at a couple of the elements that take place on Palm Sunday. In verse 13, it says, They took palm branches, and they went out to meet Jesus. And they were crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Kings. What is so interesting is that this had, this had not taken place yet within Jesus' life and ministry. The people had finally come to a point where they had to cry out who Jesus was. Right? Like, say, people had talked about who, who Jesus was. Jesus had had conversations with his disciples. Who do you say I am? But now the crowd of people, it has become so big, and they have realized who was coming to town that they had to cry out, Hosanna, which is simply just praises and honor and glory unto God. They realized that their king, that, that the king that they had been waiting for had finally arrived. And there's a couple of elements here that I just want to kind of give you a little bit of a little bit of history on. First of all, the branches, the palm branches, and the donkey. And these are kind of important elements here. So the palm branches, they were served as a symbol of righteousness at this time. But they were also, in the Old Testament, palm branches were associated not with Passover. And this is interesting. The palm branches, if you've read Leviticus lately, which I know all of you are probably just reading Leviticus weekly. You know, that's probably everyone's favorite book of the Old Testament. But within Leviticus, it talks about the Feast of the Tabernacle. That's where the palm branches are associated with. However, by the time Jesus comes, palm branches had become a national Jewish symbol. The palm branch represented the Jewish people. So when they're pulling out palm branches and they're laying them down, they know that their nation's king has come. It was a national symbol. You know, I mean, very similar to our American flag, right? I mean, like, I mean, like that is our, like, nation's symbol. The palm branch became Israel's nation symbol. So the fact that they're laying them down, that they are giving praise and honor to Jesus, they are saying, he is our king. And then there's the donkey. Every time I say donkey, I think of Shrek. 
does anyone else think of that? Maybe that's just my like terrible pastor mind. But like I just, I wish I could do like you know Shrek's voice when he calls out donkey. That's none of this is taking place within biblical. Just to let you guys know this is this is not biblical. This is just my own mind. Caitlin told me don't even mention that. I'm like I can't not mention. It. I just think of the donkey here, the talking donkey. Well, the donkey here, look at verses uh, 14 and 15 out of John 12. And when they had found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughters of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. By riding a donkey, Jesus is expressing his willingness to become the king of Israel. Though more in humble terms than one would expect. Most of the time, when a king comes into town, he rides on a horse. And it's usually a war horse, because there would be this nationalistic king that is ready to seize power. But when Jesus comes to town, when he's coming in, he doesn't ride on a horse. He rides on a donkey. And the donkey had a couple of of two associations back then, was humility and peace. That the king was coming... And he was riding in, and he wasn't the king that they were expecting. And I've said this so many times here. The Israelite people were not expecting this kind of king. They were expecting a different kind of king. A king that would come in and throw off all the Romans and establish Israel's like place within the world once again. But here is this king coming in with humility and peace. And this is how Jesus arrives. And, and it's interesting because John 12, 15, if you guys have your, your Bibles, that's quoting a different piece of Scripture. And a lot of times within New Testament, the New Testament writer will quote Old Testament. And if you look at Zechariah 9, 9, that is what John 12, 15 is quoting. And a lot of times, um, when a New Testament writer quotes Old Testament, you guys may or may not know this, the wording doesn't always line up perfectly. Because sometimes the New Testament writer is giving a summary of the Old Testament verse. And I just kind of point that out because I want to read Zechariah 9.9. It says this. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout out loud, O daughters of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt. A foul of a colt. Now, we must keep this entire context in mind. Whenever the New Testament quotes the Old Testament, I recommend you guys to kind of dig into what was happening in the Old Testament at this time because you can get a lot of insight to what is taking place here because the New Testament quotes Old Testament quite a bit. Well, within Zechariah's time, Zechariah is a prophet in the Old Testament and he is writing to God's people. Now, at this time... God's people were still in exile. And what I mean by that is that they weren't a nation of their own. They were actually ruled by someone else. And when he writes this, he is prophesying that one day the king will come. One day the king's going to come and he's going to rescue his people. And he's going to come in righteousness and he's going to come riding on a donkey. And this was all prophesied that this Jesus would do. Now, it is interesting 
that within the book of Zechariah, especially chapters 9 and 10, he talks about this king riding on a donkey, but he also talks about a shepherd that would shepherd the flock of Israel. And we see this all playing out within John 12. And I share this with you. I wanted to be sharing all the history, all of the connections with you this morning. Because as we celebrate Palm Sunday, it's good for us to understand all that was taking place. The king that Israel had been waiting for had finally arrived. And the people at the time could no longer hold back who Jesus was. His triumphant entry into Jerusalem was him establishing and the people recognizing that the king has come. That the king is here. And that's why they come out and they lay down palm branches. And what is so crazy is that the people at the time, they probably had no idea that they were fulfilling prophecy. They had no idea that what was taking place was that they were literally fulfilling Old Testament prophecy about the king coming to Jerusalem. Now, we know how this story ends. If you grew up in church, even if you didn't grow up in church, you know how this week ends for Jesus. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem one last time to do one last thing, to die. And Palm Sunday is a Sunday where we begin to look at Jesus' last week on this earth. Where we take time as believers, take time as followers of Christ for us to sit and recognize who Christ is and what Christ is about to do for us this week. And I want to just challenge you, church, this week You know, as I was looking over all of these scripture verses and doing all of my uh, studying, I I, I was really, really struggling with, okay, we have all of this information, all of these connections to the Old Testament, but how does this apply to us today? How how do we, 2,000 years later, really live this out? And I I would challenge us that we live it out how they lived it out back then. They cried out. They recognized that the king had come. And the people bowed down, and they worshipped, and they shouted Hosanna, and they cried out that the king has finally arrived. And I think for us as believers, us who follow Christ, I want to challenge you this week to spend a week giving praise and honor and glory to God in all that you do. Spend time this week in worship. Spend time giving praise to the king. Because this is how, how Jesus enters into his last week before his death on Friday. And I think for us as a church, if you look at the Gospel of John, it's really interesting here. So this, this is written in John chapter 12, right? And we still got a few more chapters to go before the resurrection and before Good Friday here. I want to challenge us as a church to spend time every day this week reading these last chapters in the book of John. It's John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and then on Good Friday starts chapter 18. And I want to really challenge you guys, church, spend time this week looking at what Christ has done and taught us in his last times here. Look at it 
But I want us to have a sense of honor and glory to God. That, that this Jesus, that our King, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, He is worthy of all of your praise, all of your honor. Everything that you have, we should be giving honor and praise unto Him. And I think Palm Sunday is us setting that up for this week. It's us recognizing, us getting ready and saying, God, you deserve all the glory. Everything belongs to you. But we can also see in this one event how so much of the Old Testament is fulfilled within Christ. That all of these prophecies, all of these little symbols of the palm branches and, and of him riding in on a donkey and how this king had just raised somebody from the dead. There's so much symbolism here, and I want us just to spend this week sitting in God's Word and just giving honor and praise to Him. And then on Good Friday, on Friday evening, we're going to gather as a church to really look at the account of what happened to our King. As we are celebrating Him, we are going to look at all that took place on Jesus' last day, what He went through, what He did what he said. And we're going to give honor and praise unto him. And then Friday, on, on Good Friday, as we look at that, Friday is not a day of celebration. Though we call it Good Friday, right? You know, you guys have probably all wondered, like, okay, like, what's kind of the point of just Good Friday? We're going to talk more on that, but Friday is a day where, where we just sit kind of in our sins, we just kind of sit and we mourn what our king has done. But like I said here, church family, I want to just challenge you this week. Read John. Read the next five chapters. Just, just read one chapter per day and just look at, at Christ's teaching. And spend time every day this week just in worship and praise and honor unto him because that's how they lived it out back then. I'm going to ask for you to stand, and I want to pray for you this morning. The worship team is going to come up, and they're going to lead us in the song called Hosanna. And I think that is a worthy song. Come on up here, Troy. I think this is a worthy song for us to finish on this Palm Sunday. And as they come, let me pray, and then we'll pray over offering after worship here. Father, God, we give you praise. Lord, as we look to your word this morning, Jesus, as you entered into Jerusalem for your final time before your death and resurrection, the people could no longer hold back how great and how marvelous you are. They had to cry out who you are and give you all the praise and all the honor. Jesus, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, this morning we give praise and we give honor to you. Lord, help us to be people that, that our words are not just simply lip, lip service to you, Lord. Help us to be people that everything within our lives, every, everything that we are, Lord, that we would be people that cry out to you, that give honor and praise to you this morning, Lord. Father, as we sing right now, I ask for your spirit to be ministering to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.